Lord. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. I told Bella I was going to come up and say a few words before she played, and she encouraged me to tell everyone that she was my favorite granddaughter. But I forgot. <laughs> Sorry about that. We're going to be in 1 Peter tonight. If you're finding that, if you would please, 1 Peter chapter 5. For many months, we've been just kind of going through covering some. Uh, sort of topical messages, but covering in some detail some of the major foundational doctrines of the Bible. I think it's important. And uh, we ought to, the Bible says to study. Study's not always something people want to do, but we're commanded to study, to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So we God wants us to learn the Bible, but I, I really felt in this, this theme we're having this year of standing uh, that it'd be good to kind of just go through some of these doctrines, and I found it refreshing, if anyone else might have, but I found it very refreshing. And last week we introduced the subject of angels um, and, and just talked in general about what the Bible says about the angelic host. And uh, tonight we're going to take a second lesson on that and talking particularly not about the holy angels but about evil angels, fallen angels. And so let's uh, look in 1 Peter chapter 5 and I'd invite you to stand with us if you're able to stand in honor of the word of God and we're going to read just two verses and then we'll pray. Verse 8 says, Be sober. Be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. And so this admonition that Peter gives us in this epistle is some very good advice about our attitude toward the angelic beings, the fallen angels that seek to do us harm. Now, just saying that, I realize that for a lot of people, this is almost like make-believe. This is almost like science fiction. It's almost like fables. They don't really believe in a practical way that we have an invisible enemy that intends to do us harm. But we do. And the Bible is our guide, not our experience, not our feelings, but what the Bible says. It's an interesting thing when you think about angels. Last week we looked at 
a passage that tells us there are hundreds of millions of angels that God created. That's a bunch, right? But very little in the Bible, very little in the Bible is said about what we're to do, some practical role that we have as far as the activity of this angelic host that is here for our support. There's very little said that we're to do. Very little. Matter of fact, we talked about that verse. It says, be careful to entertain uh, strangers. For some people have entertained angels, you know, unawares. They didn't realize it. So there's, a, there's something. Be, be careful to entertain, uh, be nice to strange people. We get a chance to do that every week at church, right? Be nice to strangers because they may be an angel. But there's not, you don't see many verses saying, this, do this so the holy angels will be there to assist you. It doesn't tell us that. But there's much in the Bible, very much in the Bible, about dealing with the other kind of angels, the fallen angels, those who want to do us harm. And we're going to look at some of that tonight. Sound good? Let's pray. Father, please bless as we study tonight. We need you. We need your help. We need your wisdom. Lord, we need what Peter admonishes us in these verses to do. We need to do this. We need to understand it. So please help us tonight. I pray for those here tonight that just don't take this seriously, that tonight they might, they might see. I pray for those who don't take their spiritual journey, their life seriously, that tonight you might get our attention. And I pray for those here tonight that aren't saved, that the Spirit of God would work in their hearts. We ask you tonight to bless. Help us to grow in grace. In Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So the devil is a real foe. Um, he's our adversary. That's what it says here in verse, verse 8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil. Now what is an adversary? What does the Bible mean when it says adversary? The word means an opponent. He opposes you. You know, we... Uh, we went to, sometimes we go to our grandkids' uh, soccer games, and we went to their volleyball game the other night, and it wouldn't be, wouldn't it be uh, an amazing thing if you could go to a sporting event where you had a, an, a team that never opposed you, like they just let you spike it every time, the goal was left open, all you have to do is you know, kick the ball toward the goal. They never try to steal the ball from you. But that's not the way it is in sports. You have opposition. You have an opposing team. And the devil opposes us. You can't see the devil. You can't feel the devil, although there may be times you've been in a very evil place and you felt like you could sense the evil around you. Many of us have been there. But... Though you can't see the enemy, he is opposing you, the Bible says. By the way, the name devil is translated, the Greek word is diabolos, and it means a slanderer. We're going to talk about this a little later, 
a false accuser. The devil is a slanderer, an accuser, and he's a spiritual enemy. Uh, I think if I were the devil, sometimes have thought people have thought that before, that I was the devil, but I think if I was the devil, then one of the things I'd try to get people to do is just think I don't exist. You know what I'm saying? Just that I'm going to work, wreck, wreak havoc in their life. I'm going to oppose them. I'm going to oppose their purposes. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to oppose their family. And, but the, what I really want to do, it'll help me be effective if they don't even believe in me. That's the way a lot of Christians act. You know, like, like the devil's not even real. But he is. He's our spiritual enemy. By the way, he's not our only spiritual enemy. The flesh is also a spiritual enemy. This is not what this sermon's about. But the flesh, Paul said, there's no good thing that dwelleth within me that is within my flesh. We battle with our flesh every day. My flesh does not always want to do the will of God. As a matter of fact, my flesh often doesn't want to do the will of God. And, and a lot of times as believers, we just, don't, we just think that, that tendency to be lazy or stubborn or whatever, that, that's, just, you know, that's just something we have to live with. No, that's probably your flesh that you're, that's giving you the problem. And also the world is an enemy. The world, the flesh, and the devil. The world system is not for us. The world is against us. It's against our values. It's against our, our spiritual um, goals. So the devil's not our only enemy. It's just one of three major enemies that we have. Now the good news is, as evil as the devil is, he is not omnipresent. By that mean he can't be everywhere at once. So I feel good sometimes when I feel like the devil just working me over because I know maybe somebody's getting a break. <laughs> he can't be everywhere at once. But there's another side to that. He has many assistants. The Bible sometimes calls them devils also. Sometimes you call your children devils. But I'm talking about spiritual beings they're demons, and they're real. And the Bible, there's only one Lucifer. There's only one uh, Satan, but there are many devils, many of them. Matter of fact, uh, we're going to go to some other passages. Now mark this place here in 1 Peter because we'll come back. But go with me, you would, to the Gospel of Luke. And we're going to look in Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8 and this is one of the um, recordings of the Sermon on the Mount I mean it's not the Sermon, the parable of the sower the, the sower that went forth and sowed and the seed fell among uh, thorns and it fell by the wayside and I just want to look at that one verse verse 12 that talks about, or verse 11 and 12, is Jesus explaining the parable in verse 11. He says, now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. The seed is being sown. The seed is the word of God. It's being sown right now. It was sown this morning. It may have been sown in your Bible time. The seed is being sown, verse 12. Those by the wayside are they that hear. They hear the, they hear the word. Then cometh the devil and taketh away the word out of their hearts 
lest they should believe and be saved. Now, we believe the Bible is true. We believe that when the, the word is being sown, the seed is being sown, that the devil is active. He's working. He's trying to keep us from receiving the word of God. He's trying to keep us from believing the word of God. Now, back to what I was saying earlier, Lucifer, the devil, cannot be in every place where every person is who's reading the, God, reading the word of God. But he has his emissaries everywhere. That, that, that tells me they're at church if they're trying to steal the word of God. And by the way, they're successful lots of times. They're successful. People hear a, a, a Bible truth that could change their life. But before they get out the doors, it's already gone. And it's not because the Bible is not powerful or effective. It's because the devil works to steal the word of God. And there are many, he has many of these adversaries. Adversaries to us. Remember, remember um, Mary Magdalene in the Bible? The Bible says she was possessed with seven devils. That's what the word said, seven devils. So the word devil can refer to demons or it can refer to Lucifer, Satan. She had seven devils. Remember the Gadarene demoniac, the man that was demon-possessed and cutting himself and living, in, living unclothed in the tombs, crying out. And, and uh, when Jesus met him, Jesus spoke to this man and said, spoke to the devil in this man and says, what is your name? And he said, my name is Legion. We talked about Legion last week when Jesus said, don't you know I could just call legions of angels? Now, legion was a, uh, legion was a term that didn't always mean the same thing. But the word legion has to do with a, a body, a regiment of soldiers. And in, according to what I've read, in Augustus Caesar's time, a legion was over 6,000 soldiers. So how many demons were in this man? Thousands of them. And you can know there were at least thousands because the Bible says after Jesus delivered this man, those demons entered into 2,000 swine who ran vilely down a hill. Thousands of them. Thousands of devils in this person. Isn't that pretty incredible to think about? I think we need to take spiritual warfare seriously. It's serious business. We're to, I'm, I'm, I'm going back to our text in, in 1 Peter chapter 5. But one of the things that Peter tells us in verse 8 is be sober, be vigilant. We're to be deliberate. We're to be deliberate about this enemy. We're to be sober about... Now, what does the word sober mean? We often think of sobriety or sober having only to do with a first person who's sober. That means he's not drunk. It's a translation from the Greek word nepho. And, 
And, and the reason I even look up these words sometimes is because I want to know what the words, I want to know definitions of the words. What does sober mean? Is there another mean, meaning other than that? By the way, if you look it up in Webster's, look up the word sober in the English, Webster's Dictionary, it'll say seriousness. Not just about being not intoxicated. Sober means seriousness. It means having thoughtful character, being, being very serious. And so Paul says here in verse 8, be, be circumspect, be discreet, be serious about your spiritual life. Now, I like to laugh and I like to have fun and I enjoy picking on people. I don't really like being picked on, but I, you know, I, I enjoy life. But I'm going to tell you, life is not all fun and games. And especially as a Christian, listen to me, as a Christian, you say you're saved, the Bible says take this matter seriously. We ought to take it seriously. To be sober is to be alert. The opposite of being sober is to be foolish and slothful and lazy and complacent, which I think describes a lot of people who claim to be Christians. They're very lazy and slothful about their Christian life. And you know what? We're open target for the devil when we are. So we're to be sober. And he says in verse 8, be vigilant. Vigilant means to stay on the alert, to be awake, to be cautious, to give attention to certain things. So these two words, as we look here in verse 8, sober and vigilant, they, they describe an alertness that we ought to have in light of this one thing, in light of the fact that we have a devil and devils who want to destroy us, we ought to be on the alert. Now, I know people say, well, I hope my pastor's on the alert. Well, I want to be on the alert. But we ought to all be on the alert. Do these words describe you as a Christian? that you're spiritually alert, that you're sober and vigilant. I believe casualness and carelessness and compromise and, and carnality make us vulnerable to the enemy's attacks. Individually, in our families, with our children, in other ways. So, as a way of introduction, Peter says, take this matter seriously. Now, what is it? What is it that the devil would want to do in our life? What does he want to accomplish? I would say that in every... I'm going to turn to the scripture in a moment. But in every way that God wants to bless our lives... And by the way, God does want to bless our lives. And in every way that God wants to bless our lives... The devil wants to hinder and destroy and oppose us. There's a verse of scripture that I dearly love. It's John chapter 10. I'm going to turn to that. John chapter 10 is that great chapter about Jesus being the door to the sheepfold and, and so much, so much. Just good stuff in there. Verse 7, Jesus said to them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. Verse 8 of John chapter 10, All that ever came before me, Jesus said, are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. 
By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. And here's the verse that I love so much. The thief cometh not, the thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. Jesus said, I'm come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. What a contrast. We have two different entities. You have Jesus and you have the thief. You have two different goals or objectives. One of them wants to give you life, meaningful life, eternal life, abundant life. The other one wants to steal from you and kill and destroy. So what does the devil want to do? That's what he wants to do. He wants to take from us. God wants to give into us. God wants to plant life into us. The devil wants to take from us. He wants to destroy us. He wants to destroy our lives. We don't even have to believe this. It's still reality. It doesn't change if you don't believe it. It doesn't change if you don't think it's important. But I'm telling you, we all have a spiritual enemy that wants to steal from us. If you're not saved, the devil wants to take your soul to hell. That's exactly what he wants to do. Whether you like it or believe it, hell is real. And it wasn't even made for us. It was made for the devil and his angels. But he wants to blind people's eyes and, and bind them in their sin and fill their hearts with the pride and stubbornness so that when they leave this life, they go straight to hell. That's what he wants to do if a person's not saved. You ought to take this seriously. And whether we realize it or not, those of us who are saved, there's a battle raging against us. We can't hear the clanging of the armor, but it's raging against us. And it's real. It's against us individually. You say, well, the devil don't know where I live. He might. Amen? He fights against our testimony. He wants to steal your testimony. He wants to steal your purpose in life. He wants to steal your self-esteem. He wants to steal your vision. He is a thief. He's a thief. He's against your spiritual growth. You know, for a person to consistently grow as a Christian, to stay in the Bible and pray and serve God and try to witness to other people and do that for six months or for a year or for 10 years or 20 years or 30 years or 50 years, I'm telling you, the devil opposes that. That's why so many people fall out. That's why so many people quit. They lose interest. They get their feelings hurt. You know, we're all, you know I'm not, not going to blame the devil on everything, but I'm telling you, he's good at what he does. You ever think about what it would take for, for some, some entity to come into a perfect environment, the Garden of Eden, where the first man and woman live in perfect bliss, everything they could possibly want, no sin, no sickness, no confusion, no problems, and somehow the devil could convince them to turn away from God. You know what? He's good at what he does. 
And people just take it sometimes. We all can be guilty of it. Hook, line, and sinker. He's against us. He's against our spiritual growth. He doesn't want to see us get into the Word of God. He didn't want to see us be seekers of God. He'd rather us be negative and be negligent and just slothful and let five years go by and 20 years go by. We're still at the same place, stuck in the mud. Spiritually, that's his goal. He opposes us. He opposes our marriages. He hates. That's why there's, he hates traditional marriage. That's why there's so much in our culture against traditional marriage. It's not just because the culture is against it. It's because the devil hates it. He wants to break marriages up. He's against our children. He's against our loved ones. He's against churches. Churches who want to honor God and honor the Word of God. I'm telling you, the devil hates those churches. He opposes those churches. It's not a game. It's real warfare. He hates ministries. He hates reaching people. He hates missions. He hates everything that God is for. That's why I think it's good to be reminded every once in a while. Jesus said, either you're for me or you're against me. The devil is against what God wants, we ought to be for it. I'll say it again. Just as much as God wants to bless our lives, the enemies want to destroy them. He hates us. We don't recognize it sometimes. I read an interesting story about a, a fighter who was losing badly in this boxing match. Between rounds, he would sit down, you know, they would do between rounds, and his manager was trying to encourage this bewildered boxer. And the manager said to him, I, I really don't think he's landed a glove on you. This weary boxer looked at the manager and said, well, this round, if you would, keep an eye on the referee because somebody's beating the daylights out of me. <laughs> we don't recognize it sometimes. And I'm not blaming everything on the devil. Sometimes our, our experiences are the consequences of our own foolish decisions. But we have an enemy. He wants to hurt us. And you know what? He doesn't want us to believe this. But all I'm telling you is what's in the Bible tonight. He wants to hinder us. He wants to hurt us. He wants to discourage us. He wants to defeat us. He wants to use every possible means to stop us. We can't afford to be complacent about such a thing. So the Bible says, I'm going to go back to 1 Peter chapter 5. Peter says in verse 8, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil is a roaring lion, walketh about. He's just busy walking around looking for somebody to devour. Seeking whom he may devour. We're going to have more than one message on this subject. You know, the Bible tells us not to be ignorant of his devices. That's not what this message is about. But he's looking for people that he can devour. Preachers he can devour. Churches he can devour. Marriages he can devour. Teenagers he can devour. But verse 9 says, whom resist. Now there's a word of action. There's a word of responsibility. You ought to underline that in your Bible. Whom resist 
steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Now these afflictions he's talking about in the context are afflictions directly related to the devil's attacks. Right? He's walking around seeking whom he may devour and he says these same afflictions. So we're to resist the devil. That means we stand against him. The word means to oppose. He's opposing us. We are to oppose him. You say, well, I'm no match for the devil, nor am I. But God is. Jesus is. We're going to talk about that in other lessons. But but we are instructed to resist the devil. You know, imagine imagine that you wake up some night in the middle of the night and Someone, someone's coming in trying to get into your house or they're in their house and, you know, you don't recognize them. You, you wouldn't just say, well, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure they don't intend any harm. You know, they're fine. They'll be okay. Well, let's just go back to sleep. Your wife says, get up, get up. Or you say to your wife, get up, get up. <laughs> oh, no, it's nothing to worry about. I know he... You know, we don't know who it is, but I'm sure they, they, they don't have any ill feelings or anything. No, we wouldn't do that. You'd do something. Like I said, send your wife out or something. We have spiritual enemies that want to destroy us. We're in a spiritual battle. The Bible says resist them. And, I, and just, just to say, state the obvious, I think... We can't be successful in walking in victory if we don't recognize the enemy. We need to recognize it. Some of the things we're going to talk about in a moment will help us do that. Now I want to say this before I get into my last point. My last point, by the way, is the longest point, so don't get your hopes up. And that negative thought you just had has probably came from the devil, so... (laughs) There's a need for balance in this subject, just like there is in any subject there is. It would be foolish. Not only be foolish, it would be disobedient to live as though the devil is not a real adversary. But it's also be wrong to obsess over spiritual warfare. Some people, I think, do that. So we want to have balance. So I want to talk about next, and this will be the last thing, but there are several points to this. What are some of the things the devil does that we need to be sober and vigilant about? I'm just going to give you some general things, but these are important things. They're biblical, biblical things. Number one, devils tempt. They entice us to do wrong, right? God never tempts us to do wrong. God never will entice you to do wrong. If I'm tempted to neglect my spiritual discipline, if I'm tempted to neglect Bible reading and prayer, if I'm tempted to not be in church when I could be in church, God never tempts us to do wrong. The devil's the one who tempts us to do wrong. He is the, he's a tempter. Go with me, if you would, please, to Matthew chapter 4. And in Matthew chapter 4, this is where... Jesus had just been baptized, and the devil immediately came against him. And I just want to 
notice a couple of things here in verse 1. It says, then Matthew 4, 1. We're going to look up some verses now, so hold your Bible. Be ready to go. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. The Spirit of God led Jesus into the wilderness where he would be tempted. Now, God didn't tempt him, but God led him to a place where the devil would come and tempt him. In verse 3 it says, And when the tempter came to him. And we know that three times Jesus was tempted. He was tempted to turn rocks into bread. He was tempted uh, to cast himself down from this pinnacle of the temple and the angels will take care of you. And thirdly, he was tempted to, you know, to fall down and worship. All these were temptations. By the way, temptations are not sin. It's not sin to be tempted. Temptation is when you are enticed to do wrong. Sin is when you do that which is wrong. Devils, what do they do? They tempt us to do things that are against God and against God's will. Now, there's a, there's a built-in, obvious uh, response to every one of these things that I'm going to say but if I'm going to recognize things that the devil is tempting me to do wrong, I've got to know what is right. Does that make sense? We have to know what is right. By the way, truth never changes. Circumstances may change, but truth never changes. So we, he wants to tempt us. We're in Matthew. Go to Luke chapter 22. In Luke chapter 22, this is that warning that Jesus gave to Simon Peter prior to this big temptation, major temptation that would come his way when he was tempted to deny the Lord. In Luke chapter 22 and verse 31, it says, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, the Lord says this to Simon. Behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. He wants to entice you to do wrong. Of course, you know and I know Peter didn't believe it. Peter said, oh, not me, I'm okay. Don't worry about me, I'm on board, you know, the whole thing. That's why we need to be vigilant. That's why we need to be sober. We need to think clearly. I use these two examples for a reason. You know, if Satan worked to entice Jesus to sin and he worked to entice Peter to sin, you can be sure he's going to work to entice you and I to sin. Entice us to lust. Entice us to be bitter. Entice us to rebel. Entice us to be stubborn. Entice us to covet. Entice us to be dishonest. He tempts us. He's the tempter. So what do the devils do? They tempt us. The second thing they do is they lie. They're liars. In John chapter 8, Jesus had some very strong words for some of his listeners. In John chapter 8, 
and verse 42, Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me. That's a great statement, isn't it? People, everybody wants to say, well, God's my father. Jesus said, if God was your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God, neither came I of myself, but he sent me, God sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? How come? That's a good question, isn't it? Why? Jesus said, why don't you understand the things I'm telling you? If you're here today and you don't understand the Bible and you don't understand spiritual things, here's a good question. Jesus said, why don't you understand? This is what he said in verse, he answered his own question, verse 43. Even because you cannot hear my word, verse 44, you are of your father the devil. Wow. And the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning. Talking about the devil, your father. And abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. None. Referring to the devil, when he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own for he is a liar and the father of it. What does the devil do? He lies. There's no truth in him. What he says can't be trusted. He lied to Eve in the Garden of Eden. He lied about right and wrong. He lied about God and the nature of God. He lied about the consequences of sin. This is what he does. He's a liar. By the way, how can you recognize a liar? By knowing what the truth is. If you don't know the truth, you'll believe a lie. And the devil's good at lying. He lies to us. He lies to us about ourselves. He lies to us about God. He lies to us about, uh, he lies to us about all kinds of things. He's a liar. What do the devils do? They tempt, they lie. Thirdly, and this is kind of kin to lying, they deceive. They deceive. They trick people. They, they are very deceptive. Look in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And just a couple of verses there. 2 Corinthians. We're going to look at two passages in this same text. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 13. Paul is writing this great church there at Corinth. And he says, for such are false prophets. I have those two words underlined in my Bible. False apostles. I'm sorry, not false prophets. False apostles. Then notice what he said next. Deceitful workers. Deceitful. Transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. They're not just deceived, they're being deceitful. They're making themselves to be into apostles of Christ. Verse 14, and no wonder, no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers, Satan's ministers, also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. There's, what does Satan do? He deceives. He has false apostles, deceitful workers. He's very good at what he does. In the same chapter, Paul was concerned about this church. Looking earlier in this, in this passage, in chapter 11 of 2 Corinthians, let's just look in verse 2. The Bible says, Paul writing, 
For I'm jealous over you, talking about the church at Corinth. I'm jealous over you with godly jealousy, for I have espoused you, promised you, committed you to one husband. And who is that? It's Jesus. That I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. He said, I want to present you as a chaste virgin, this church, to Christ. Verse 3, but I fear, Paul said, lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety. He goes back to the garden. Genesis 3 as he's talking to the church here, writing to the church. I fear that just like the serpent beguiled, deceived, tricked Eve through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that's in Christ. What do devils do? They deceive. They deceive. They have false false apostles, false prophets. They're counterfeits. Do you want a counterfeit? A counterfeit is something that's made to look like the original or the proper one. It's a counterfeit. Someone just told me not too awful long ago. I think I might have brought this up in a message here or somewhere. Told me that they had, someone that they had, I think it was a $100 bill. And they went to the store with this $100 bill and they recognized that it was a counterfeit. The person that had it said they didn't know it was a counterfeit. It was fresh off the press. The ink was still wet. No. It was made to look like the real thing. And if you read this text here in 2 Corinthians 11, look what it says in verse 4. If he that cometh preacheth another Jesus, whom you've not preached, or if you receive another spirit, whom you've not received, or another gospel, which you've not accepted, you might well bear with them. These are all counterfeits. The devil's a deceiver. He, he, he'll bring another Jesus. How do you know it's not the right? How do you know it's another Jesus? Because it's not like the Jesus in the Bible. We have, an, we have an unchanging authority in the Word of God. How do you know it's another gospel? If it's different from this gospel, it's another gospel. He even counterfeits scriptures. He's, Paul wrote to the same church in another place. He says, we're not like those who corrupt the Word of God. Things that are different are not the same. The devil is a counterfeit, and he wants to counterfeit the gospel and counterfeit the word of God and counterfeit the work of God. He has false, he has false messages. He has false churches. In the, he even counterfeits with miracles. And that's going to be a very common thing. According to the Bible in the last days, all these miracles that the devil is going to perform. What, is the, what does the devil do? He, he tempts. Second of all, he lies. Thirdly, he deceives. And I mentioned this one earlier, but I'll mention it again. He accuses. That's what the devil, word devil means. He's an accuser. If you're not familiar with this passage, I want you to see it in the Bible. And if you are familiar, I want you to see it in the Bible. Revelation chapter 12. There's no doubt who this is speaking of. Revelation chapter 12. Look in verse 9. And it says this, And the great dragon was cast out. 
Revelation chapter 12, verse 9. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent. We know he's talking about, right? The serpent that deceived Eve. Called the devil. We know he's talking about, right? And Satan. I mean, there's no doubt we know who this is. The great dragon, that old serpent, the devil, and Satan, which, look what it says in verse 9, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Verse 10, and heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. Notice this. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down. I have those words underlined. The accuser of our brethren is cast down. What does he do? It tells us in verse 10. Which accuseth them before our God day and night. You know what the devil is? He's an accuser. Now what does an accuser do? They charge with an offense. They accuse you of doing something. That's the accuser. That's the devil. That's, that's one of the primary definitions or meanings of the name devil. He accuses. And notice, what does he do? He says right there in 10, he accuses them before God. He accuses us before God. Now, you might th- people think the devil is just confined. Devil is just this entity with a pitchfork and, you know, and a fork and tail, and he's confined to to the inferno of hell all the time. But the truth of the matter is he walks about wherever he may be looking for people and he has access. He has access, we'll talk about this next time, into the very presence of God. Remember, that's where he, that's where he went before God and brought up Job's name. Or Job brought up, God brought up Job's name to the devil, but he says, you considered my servant Job. So he's the accuser. He accuses us before God. The good thing is we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. So when he tells the, de- when, when the devil tells God how rotten and no good I am, I have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Amen. But he also accuses God to us. He's an accuser. You say, what do you mean by that? He, 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 takes, he takes accusations against God and brings them to us. If God was good, why would this happen? You know where that came from? It came from the devil. And people just soak it up. They just take it in. Hook, line, and sinker. God doesn't love me. God doesn't love you. You know where, where that comes from? It comes from that he accuses God to us. And then he accuses us to ourselves. He, he whispers this stuff in our mind. You're not worthy. God won't forgive you. You've blown your chances. God can't ever use you again. You know why? Because he's an accuser. By the way, if we don't recognize his work, we don't recognize what the truth is and what he's about. He's about ruining people's lives. He accuses us to God. He accuses God to us. He accuses us to ourselves. He accuses us to others. He does. He'll accuse us to other people. And by the way, he'll accuse other people to us. 
And we receive those accusations. We believe those accusations. It's good to have Terry and her family here. Her daddy used to tell me this stuff all the time. The accuser of the brethren. He accuses us. The first person I ever heard say that was her daddy, Brother Murray. He accuses us to God. He accuses God to us. And you know what? People just believe that. What do you, th- what do you think it comes? If, if something comes into your mind and tells you that you are in a hopeless situation and there's no hope for you, do you think God told you that? No, God is the God of hope. The devil don't want us to hope. He's the accuser. He is the tempter. He is the liar. He is a deceiver. He is the accuser. And finally, he tries to, he's, he tries to ensnare us. He tries to ensnare us. You know what a snare is? A snare is a trap. Many, 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 many years ago. Her husband, Steve, took me trapping on the Merrimack. I wanted to learn how to trap. He was a trapper. So I had my, my only trapping mentor, teacher. You know what the devil is doing? He's always trying to trap people. Always trying to ensnare people. He just sets traps for you. You say, where do you get that in the Bible? Let me look at one place. 2 Timothy chapter 2. I'm going to start reading while you're getting there. Verse 24 says, And the servant of the Lord must not strive. Paul's writing to Timothy. This is what we call a pastoral epistle. It was written to Timothy, the pastor about the work of the ministry. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient. Verse 25, the sentence continues all the way to the end of the chapter. Verse 25, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. They're in themselves. They're in opposition. They're resisting. In meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, if God, peradventure, will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. Now, I am absolutely, positively, thoroughly convinced that a child of God cannot be demon-possessed. I believe the devil can oppress us and lie to us and deceive us and discourage us, but we can't be possessed in the sense that a lost person can where a devil actually takes up residence in a person's life because we have someone else residing in our spirit, and that's the Spirit of God. But that doesn't mean he doesn't try to ensnare us He traps us. He wants to take us captive. You know, there's a passage where Paul is writing to Timothy in chapter 3 of 1 Timothy where he's talking about the the, uh, qualifications of a pastor, a bishop, 
And he says this in verse 7. Just listen to these words. Moreover, he, talking about this potential pastor, this, this bishop, he must have a good report of them which are without, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. The devil wants to ensnare us. He wants to trap us. The good news is Jesus is our great emancipator. He sets us free. Now, what is, the, what is this all about? It's about recognizing how the devil works. He's busy. He does his job thoroughly. He de, you know, he's a defeated foe. The Bible's a great book. In the end of the, the book of Revelation, it's, it talks about a time when the devil, I'm going to be paraphrasing, is basically working overtime because he do, knows his days are numbered. Wouldn't surprise me if we're not living in those days. What is the, should we be serious about being mindful about, being cautious about the devil's activity? Absolutely. Should we be fearful about the devil's activity? Absolutely not. We don't have to be afraid. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. But we ought to recognize what he does. There are other things he does, but we're done. He tempts. There's so much I want to say about that. The devil's such a liar. That's the second thing he lies. He put, he'll, he'll put that carrot out in front of a person and say, you know, this will make you happier. First of all, that's a lie. If it's a sin, it won't make you better, happier. It may, it may be pleasurable for a season, but it won't last long. If you do this, nobody will ever know. If you do this, nobody will ever It'll ne you'll never have to have any consequences. All those are lies. And then once you do it, he says, you're washed up now. There's no hope for you now. Everybody's going to hate you. God won't love you. You know what? He's just a liar. He's a liar. He deceives us. He accuses us. And he wants to ensnare us. So it's, it would be wise for us tonight to remember Peter's words. Be sober, be vigilant, for your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. You say, what sins should we be concerned about? All of it, right? whether it's lying or deceiving or pride or selfishness or bitterness. The Bible says, this is another message, neither give place to the devil. Don't give him an inch. You know why? Because he never just wants an inch. He wants to destroy your life. He'll just take it in little bitty increments if he has to. Don't you just hate the devil? I hate the devil. Amen. Let's bow our heads together. Thank you for being so attentive tonight to a very important subject. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. I just want to urge you tonight, right where you sit, to just think through this prayerfully before the Lord.
take it seriously. Lord, help me. Make this a part of your prayer. Lord, help me to be sober and vigilant about this. Help me to recognize the way the enemy comes against me, against us.